I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 24 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to explain why I'm a foreign policy non-interventionist. Well, I've found the perfect way to reduce the number of likes on the Michael Meharry Facebook fan page. All I have to do is question war. That's it. Any post critical of American foreign policy, or war in general even, is guaranteed to call the number of likes on my page. Not only that, people get very angry with me. I mean, like, send hate mail and call me nasty names angry. Honestly, it kind of weirds me out. You wouldn't think suggesting maybe America shouldn't be so quick to invade other countries or drone innocent civilians would be cause for anger. But apparently it is. So here I am, probably making a whole new batch of people mad. Because I'm going to talk about war and I'm going to question it. Sorry, not sorry. War is incompatible with freedom. As a man who wants more than anything to live free, I can't simply sit back and unquestioningly accept U.S. foreign policy because challenging it happens to be unpopular or because it lowers my Facebook like count. Part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is the fact that five years ago, I would have been one of the people unliking me and maybe even tossing some nasty comments my way. You see, I was an unapologetic warmonger. There wasn't a war I didn't support. Vietnam? Check. The invasion of Grenada? Check. Gulf War One, Check. The invasion of Iraq? Hell yes. Heck, at one point, I even had a blog that essentially regurgitated U.S. military propaganda. I heartily embraced the notion that military force serves as a legitimate tool for nation building. And to be completely honest, I still get goosebumps seeing projections of military power. I love fighter jets, tanks, and big guns. Growing up, I had all kinds of books on World War II and military equipment. I don't know, maybe it's just a guy thing, but I still like that stuff. But it doesn't take a doctorate in foreign relations to understand that U.S. policy has forged a tangled mess of contradictory alliances and obligations and created a much more dangerous world. I've gradually come to accept that military intervention in foreign affairs typically causes more damage than it does good. Now, let me be clear about something. I'm not a pacifist. I believe in defending myself. But that doesn't mean I can walk over to my neighbor's house and shoot him because, well, I think he might be dangerous someday. 
Force to repel force is absolutely justified. Force to mold the world into my own image? Not so much. And while we're on the subject, I'm not an isolationist. Non-intervention differs greatly from closing yourself inside a box and avoiding interaction with the world around you. I favor vigorous and open trade. This stands in direct contradiction to the concept of isolationism. So that brings up the main question. Why am I a non-interventionalist? There are three primary reasons. First, as I said earlier, war is incompatible with liberty. War is antithetical to limited government. As Randolph Bourne brilliantly argued, war is the health of the state. Constant military engagement leads to the expansion of government power and an erosion of even the most basic civil liberties. We see this playing out in the United States with the Patriot Act and NDAA indefinite detention and drone executions with no due process. It even weaves its way into everyday life, taking the form of TSA groping at your local airport. So self-proclaimed conservatives who constantly advocate for limited government while simultaneously running around pushing for an ever-larger military and continued interventions around the world actually stand for mutually exclusive policies. James Madison eloquently made this point more than 200 years ago. Listen to what he said. Of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. In war, too, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied, and all the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. The same malignant aspect in republicanism may be traced in the inequality of fortunes and the opportunities of fraud growing out of the state of war, and in the degeneracy of manners and of morals engendered by both. No nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. And that's what we have today, ladies and gentlemen, continual warfare, and with it all of these things that Madison warned us about. The second reason that I've become a foreign policy non-interventionist is because the same bozos that are running U.S. domestic policy are running the foreign policy. This revelation is actually what pushed me over the edge and turned me into a full-blown non-interventionist. Human beings simply can't predict and account for every outcome and consequence of a given policy. These unforeseen consequences wreak havoc on an economy. Each intervention leads to unanticipated problems. The centralizers respond with additional interventions that create even more negative consequences, leading to more interventions in this vicious and unending cycle. Even when they're acting with the best of intentions, and that's certainly not always the case, the meddling of centralizers generally leads to irreparable harm. As Nobel Prize winner Albert Camus observed, the evil in the world almost always comes of ignorance, and good intentions may do as much harm as malevolence if they lack understanding. It's weird to me that so-called conservatives totally get this when it comes to economics, and yet advocate all kinds of meddling around the world in the name of foreign policy. They suddenly become devout disciples of central planning and big government. There is a complete disconnect here. 
Conservatives really need to stop and consider that the very same people running the domestic policy that they so despise are running the foreign policy. The same people. And just as poorly. Finally, I have become a non-interventionist because I believe offensive war is immoral. That's the bottom line. I believe it is immoral. I have to confess, for most of my life, my convictions as a Christian were completely disconnected from my political views. But over the last few years, I've come to realize that I was lacking in integrity. U.S. policy is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of innocent civilians in Syria, hundreds of civilians in Pakistan, hundreds of civilians in Yemen, and millions in Iraq. Not terrorists, innocent people trying to scrape by in countries torn by war who happened to be in the wrong place when a missile hit, or when a bomb exploded, or when a trigger was pulled. And for what? It seems to me all of our efforts in the war on terror have done nothing but create more terror. I'll link to some articles on the show notes page that make this case far better than I can in this podcast. I find it difficult to understand how so many Americans can scream in indignation about the deaths of innocent French people, and yet don't blink an eye at the deaths of innocent civilians in hospital bombings, or drone strikes, or bombing runs. Those innocent civilians were just as innocent as the people gunned down in Paris, their lives just as significant. We have fallen into a cycle of violence. We kill them because they kill us. They kill us because we kill them. We kill them because they kill us. And on and on and on. We have to break the cycle. Jesus offers us an answer that sadly many Christians even fail to consider. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show there. Please feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry.com at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.